0: I think uh, announcements have been made, but just a quick reminder that we will be having our children's cantata tonight at 6 p.m., and um, then we'll have some refreshments following the, the service this evening at 6, and um, uh, we had the first performance over at Bristol Road this morning, and it was uh, beautiful. and. Uh, all those uh, little children singing about the praises of God and the coming of Christ. Learning how to participate in a local church and present the gospel even at that, those young ages together. It was just beautiful. I hope you'll join us tonight at 6. And then uh, next Sunday is Christmas Eve day and uh, we'll be having a Christmas service. I'll be bringing a Christmas message um, and um, and we'll have some special music, I believe, next Sunday morning, including I think the children's choir will sing for us next Sunday. so today we're continuing our series uh, on stewardship and so if you'll turn to the Old Testament, First Kings chapter 17, First Kings chapter 17. <clears throat> um, we pointed out how that Jesus talked so much about money that he actually talked more about it than than he did heaven and hell, because money has such a influence in our life, whether we have a lot of it or whether we have a little of it. It is a big issue. It may be a very may be the biggest issue of all in our in our walk with God. And so how we deal with it and what we do with it, these are all things that God wants to lead us into faith. 1 Kings chapter 17, and I want to just read our, our text, the one verse to begin. Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake, and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. The background here in 1 Kings 17 is that the people of Israel have lapsed into serious idolatry. They have become worshippers of Baal. And the king of Israel, whose name is Ahab, has put a price on the head of Elijah. He wants to kill him. Elijah is one of the few who remain in the land of Israel that worship the true God. And so God takes Elijah and leads him out into the desert. 1 Kings 17 and verse 1 says, Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there's not going to be dew or rain these years except by my word. God's going to bring a famine because of their idolatry. So God says to him, leave there and go to the brook Kirith. Look at 1 Kings 17 verse 4. And you shall drink from the book, the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah is out by himself, and God has commanded ravens to bring him bread. Now that's an unusual way of having your provision, is a bird coming in and dropping a sandwich from the sky. Usually they drop something different, but on here they were giving to Elijah food and he would drink from the brook. It says in verse 6 the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from this fresh flowing brook. Fresh water, meat, and bread. Twice a day. After a season, though, the brook dries up. And I want to uh, read from the English Standard Version here, 1 Kings 17, verse 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. That is, it's, it's outside of Israel and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, verse 4, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And then go to a widow in Zarephath, I have commanded a widow there. Have you ever heard that uh, phrase, where God guides... He provides. You ever heard that? Because you find that here. Now, Elijah, go over there where I'm sending you. Be where you're supposed to be, and your provision will come there. It's the same in Psalm 23, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Uh, I shall not want. I shall not lack. He Leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures for a sheep. That's provision. See, when the Lord is your shepherd, you have provision. And here's what you have with Elijah. If you will go where I send you, be in the place you're assigned. There, God says, I will provide for you. So Elijah goes down to Zarephath where he says in verse 9, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12, and she said, as the Lord your God lives. Now notice that, as the Lord your God lives. Remember, she's not an Israelite. She's in, she's, uh, in Zarephath of Sidon, Tyre and Sidon, uh, outside of Israel. As the Lord your God lives, verse 12, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil and a jug. And now i'm going to gather a couple of sticks to go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. <laughs> now this lady is optimistic of anything um, you're asking me, Elijah, to give you something hey we're we're wasting away here and I have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and I was going to just, I'm getting these sticks to prepare a last meal. And then we'll eat it and that's it. We'll die. So Elijah said, verse 13, he said to her, don't fear, go and do as you have said. In other words, all right, go fix your meal and then die. But, First, before you go eat and die, do something. Make me a cake. First. It says in verse 13, Don't fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. Rearrange your priorities. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour will not be spent and the jug of oil will not be empty till the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth and the famine is over. Harvest can begin again. And she went and did as Elijah said, verse 15, and she and her household ate for many days. And verse 16 the jar of flour was not spent that is it didn't it didn't run out neither did the jug of oil become empty just as the word of the Lord was spoken by Elijah Now that's the story Elijah is following God's direction to Zarephath and he arrives and as he says here, verse, in verse 9, the word of the Lord came to him and go to Zarephath and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arrives, he's looking for a widow to feed him. And here's a widow, but she has no food. She has enough to eat a final meal. And she has a dependent, a son. And they've been destitute so long they have few days to live. And she doesn't seem to know what God told Elijah. Um, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. He comes. There's the widow. And she somehow didn't get the memo. (laughs) You know, it's like... I thought, God, I thought you commanded her to feed me. Well, uh, Elijah must have had some inner prompting. And so here is the text that I'm bringing before you this morning. Verse 13 again. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first... Make me a cake. Bake me a cake. That's the message today. (laughs) It can all be fixed if you got cake. So here is the request of Elijah. It's a big, bold request. And I thought, This is pretty audacious of Elijah to ask a widow for her last meal to be given to him. What if I visit a widow? I mean, I was thinking about this. I've been a pastor long enough that I know how these things can go. And, I, and she invites me in. I'm sitting on the couch, and she shares with me that she can't pay her water bill this month. She lives in Flint. <laughs> and she's about to lose her home, and she's sick and can't afford to go to the doctor, and it's just one thing after another, and she's got a little boy to take care of, and she don't know what she's going to do. And I say, well, how much do you have? She says, well, I've got $100 I was saving for the water bill. It's, it's $300. By the way, Flint water bills can be up to three dollars to $400 a month, which is ridiculous. There is corruption somewhere in Flint, but I go astray. So she says, I've saved up $100. And I say, well, here's what I think you should do. Give me that $100 to put on my water bill. Now, how do you think that would sound? That, I would sound like a jerk, a false prophet, a greedy preacher, And you know what she would do is she would go and tell her family members. And then they would get all up in in, uh, anger and call me up and say, Did you ask her for her last hundred dollars? I mean, you can imagine here, it takes boldness for Elijah to ask this widow for money or support or provision. He's bold. So, what is going on here with Elijah? By the way, where is Zarephath? <laughs> uh, we have the map, right? This is Elijah's down here in the brook Kereth and you go all the way up to the northern part, utmost part of the land of Israel, crossing over into Phoenicia or Tyre, and there's a little village called Zarephath. That's about a 75 to 100 mile trek to get up there. And he has bypassed the entire nation of Israel and sent Elijah to a Gentile pagan widow in Zarephath. Now, listen to what Jesus said about this story. Uh, put up Luke 4 25 and 6. Here's what Jesus said Jesus is preaching in his hometown in the synagogue. And he says, I have come to preach the good news to all those who are poor in spirit, in captivity, to de- preach deliverance and freedom. And, he, and in the sermon, Jesus says this, Luke 4:25. I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. In other words, in the famine. And a great famine came over all the land. But Elijah was sent to none of them. The whole land of Israel. And Elijah bypassed all of them and went to Zarephath. Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. He is drawing out something in this woman. Jesus is saying, by the way, he got in trouble for making that statement. They, they tried to, to do away with him when he was talking about here's a Gentile pagan and God sent the prophet Elijah to her rather than the widows in Israel. Uh, they got very angry that there's a suggestion that God would bless a Gentile widow rather than all the widows in Israel. Bypass all them and just go to the widow in, in Gentile land. So Jesus is pointing out the privilege of this woman. There's something going on here. She is getting a visit that is going to stimulate her faith This is not about provision for Elijah or her ministering to Elijah. This is about Elijah ministering to her. And how does he minister to her? First, make me a cake. Give, change priorities away from you surviving to ministering in the kingdom. He's drawing out her faith and rescuing her from a life that is nothing more than basic instincts and self-preservation. He's visiting her with an invitation from God. It's more than bread at stake. It is her life and her future and her hope that not even the Jewish people had received. Because they were steeped in Baal worship. It is kinda like the story of the man who had three young sons And he was raising corn. And someone said to him, a neighboring farmer said, If you want to raise corn, you're not going to make much money. And the man replied, he had three boys. He said, I'm not raising corn, I'm raising boys. And this was something for them to do, this was learning a work ethic. There was something more going on than just commerce and increase, but it had to do with an investment in the growth and maturity and inner life of his sons. See, this is what's going on here. I noticed that Jesus, like Elijah, was also bold and asking things. Like, for example, I jotted a couple of instances down in Mark 11 uh, when he was going to the Passover and he needed an upper room. He tells his disciples in Matthew 26, go into the city and say to a man, my time is at hand, we need to keep the Passover at your house with the disciples. <laughs> And the disciples did as he directed, and they prepared the Passover. He went and just asked for an upper room in a house, and the man gave it to him. It was bold asking. Or when he needed a donkey to ride into town in Mark chapter 11, he said, Go into the town and find a colt tied at this door outside in this street, and bring it. And if somebody says, What are you doing untying the colt? you just tell them the Lord needs it. And they did. They started bring, They went in, got this colt, uh, donkey, and started leading it out of town. And somebody said, what are you doing with his, col- with his, his donkey? And they said, the Lord needs it. I mean, uh, th- this is bold asking. And why does Elijah and why does Jesus just put that in front of people? It's because they are inviting them to participate in the work of the kingdom and to grow and step out in an act of faith that they would not otherwise have had. Now there was a boldness in Elijah, but there was also a boldness in the widow. Because in verse 15 of 1 Kings 17 it says that when he said bake me a cake and she went and did as Elijah said verse 15 and her household ate for many days she went and did as he said so he was bold in asking and she was bold in giving so that so that there is like a little kingdom of God going on here in this household she did it sometimes we're we as preachers are too timid to ask, and people are sometimes too hesitant to give. But I want to point out five quick benefits. These, I'm just going to give you these real quick. Five benefits for this woman when she gave boldly to a bold request. One thing is, she didn't die, she thought she was going to die. Her giving interrupted her pessimistic outlook on life and reversed her predictions. It says in verse 12 where she has said, I have only a little handful of flour and a little oil in a jug, and I'm going to gather some sticks and go and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. But did she die? No, <clears throat> it says when she made him a cake first, verse 15, she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. She didn't die, and second, her son didn't die. Because she thought, whatever happens to me will happen to him, we're going to both die, the famine is severe. And it's the opposite, it's counterintuitive. That's the thing, it's counterintuitive, and it interrupts the predictable events that are unfolding in your life. This counterinstinctual act of faith changed her future, changed her destiny that she had herself predicted and decreed. A third thing is she learned who her provider was. In verse 16, it says, The jar of flour wasn't spent and on the jug of oil had, had, uh, did not become empty according to the word of the Lord. And here's the thing about as we look at the economy, it's difficult for us in our fallen nature to see outside the, the cause and effects of life. I have this job. I make this amount of money. I'm on a, that, that's a fixed income sort of mentality and this is what I get for it. And if price of gas goes up, I have less money. So we tend to lock in to the, to that rigid economic principle where we do and act, and the effects are predictable. And it leaves God out of the picture. Come on, man! I'm I'm. See, God can get us to heaven. God can raise our bodies from the grave, but God cannot give me extra money. That is a a predictable mentality of a Baptist church. I know because I've been in them all my life. But an extra $100 or an extra $200, that's impossible for God. That's why it is a pagan mentality. And so Elijah is sent to this woman to invite, to provoke, and call out her faith. So in a land of unbelief, here's a woman of faith with an unending supply and provision in a time of famine. I'm telling you, man, she learned... Who her provider was something that was not known. Israel did not know that they worship Baal, who's the fertility god. When I, I was when I first came, this is thirty years ago, and we lived in a house, a rental house on Bristol Road. And when we came here from Texas, I had a uh, we had a baby. Uh, That had a a heart condition and ultimately died from it after about nine months. And um, uh, we did not have insurance. Well, she was in intensive care almost that entire nine months, uh, at least six months out of that nine. And so the hospital bills were astronomical. The final tally that I had, and this was 30 years ago, was a hundred and $15,000 is is, uh, general. And so, hey, hey, no problem. I make, uh, what, $290 a week. And so we'll work that out. No, you know what? I just zoned out. And so they pursued us, doctors, lawyers, pharmacists. They'd call, and I'd tell them, we don't really have any money. Well, do you have relatives who have money? No, we don't really have any relatives. (laughs) And then we got an invitation to come here to Michigan. I said, I'm out of Texas, man. I'm done with Texas. We got here and, and God began to speak to my heart about calling the hospital and letting them know where I was. Well, I didn't want to do that. And the, the pressure from heaven was so intense that finally I was alone one night in the house that we were renting on Bristol Road and I knelt down at the, at the um, coffee table and living room. I said, God, if I call them and try to work out a deal with them, I am going to be so poor the rest of my life. It's bad. And it's like God said, oh, really? I didn't know all that. Okay, well, you know. No, he didn't do that. It was just, I told you what to do. Now do it. So the hardest phone call I ever made was to Cook Children's Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, to tell them my new address, my new phone number, and how to get a hold of me. And we worked out a deal where I could pay $100 a month for 40 years. (laughs) I didn't even think I could pay $100 a month. That's how bad it was. But we faithfully, I told Jan, I said, Jan, this is like Samson cutting his hair. I have to pay that $100 a month. I cannot let that go. So we paid that $100 a month. After three years... I got a letter from the hospital and it said, Dear Mr. Rednauer, an anonymous donor has stepped forward and paid the remainder of your bill. Man. I took that letter in my backyard and I sat on a bench. I said, Lord, please forgive me for doubting you you are good and faithful and a miracle working God and I, and I kept that letter for years and then we redid the, the building over at Bristol Road and somehow it got lost But but what I learned was God's a provider God is my source I'm not locked in I'm not locked in to, what I, to the cycle. Do you know what Christmas is? It's about God coming into the earth. He breaks in to the cycle. He breaks in. He's incarnate. He comes in. And this is what this widow lady learned she learned who her provider was. Have you learned that? She also had Elijah to turn to again in in verse 17. It it brings up an episode after this where the son of this woman uh, became ill and is so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she comes to Elijah, this is verse 18 and 19, and she says, is God reminding me of of my sins in the past? What's going on here? Am I now being punished for... Past sins, and and uh, are are you here to remind me of those? That's that's how we intend to interpret things, you know. When something bad happens, oh, God's getting to me for my past sins. And Elijah takes the boy upstairs to the to where he has a room. She's been providing a room for the prophet, and he lays the child down on his bed and prays over him. And then he comes back downstairs and hands him over to his mother and says, and it says he presented him to her alive. So she had an established relationship with the prophet. She could turn to him. And the fifth benefit was she was mentioned by Jesus as an example of an elect Gentile. That God comes to Gentiles bypassing Jews. And he can give to a Gentile the blessings that the Jews of, that, of Jesus' day were expecting and had an entitlement attitude toward heaven. And, God, and Jesus says, don't you know about the widow lady in Zarephath? God bypassed the whole nation of Israel and served her rather than all the widows in Israel. He could have went to any widow in Israel. That's in Luke 4, 25 and 26. Bold request from Elijah. Bold giving from the widow. I announced last Sunday that we had a a donor, an anonymous donor come forward and give to us a $50,000 gift. Half of that has now come in. The other half will come in in another month or so, and uh, he said, "Unless you need it for emergencies, for a mortgage or utilities or something, uh, we, I want to designate it to the children's building." And if you, you you can get a picture of that out there over the water fountain. So uh, with that gift, that will make us a hundred, at least one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and. I suggested, not because it's a requirement, but I suggested, I think that our church can match your gift. And so, guys, I'm going to ask you to pass that out, pass out those cards. This is a card that says, My Faith Pledge. And it says, "Yes, I would like to respond boldly to the request to the children's building, so the church can match the fifty thousand dollar donation." Uh, and, and get this, guys, um, if we had a hundred, if we had fifty people who gave hundred dollars a month for ten months, that's fifty thousand dollars right there. Just 50 people, $100 a month for 10 months. So over 2018, would you consider, would you pray about, would you be bold like this widow? And then if we had 25 people who would give $200 a month, that would be 25 people could do $50,000. So I am boldly asking for this church to give us $50,000 in 2018 above the tithe, over and above the tithe. You say, yes, I get it. I believe God intervenes. I believe in miracles, and I believe He can do things in the financial realm as well as the spiritual realm. I believe He will raise my body on the last day, and I believe He will raise my income to match that pledge. It's a faith pledge. We're not going to chase you down. Or sends you a bill. It's you. I I want to invoke your faith. This may be more about your spiritual growth than it is about our children's building. You understand what I'm saying? This is what the, the widow lady teaches us. And so you can turn it in today if you know uh, what you want to do. Amount per month for one year. Or a one-time extravagant gift like we talked about last week. The... Uh, when Mary poured out the alabaster box on the feet of Jesus? Just give us your name and email so we can keep you up to date on what's going on and how much has come in. And uh, my contact information is at the bottom. I'm boldly asking. I hope you will boldly respond. And you can give it today, you can turn it in today, or you can do it next It would be appropriate on Christmas Eve service to bring gifts to Jesus. Let's give give our gifts to Jesus on His birthday and not forget what Christmas is about. Then we have one more Sunday in 2017, and and, uh, we'll have a special offering to take up the cards uh, so that you have have at least a couple of weeks to think about it and ponder it. And pray about it. All right, guys. If you'll come, let's take up our offering this morning. And when when Jesus was going to do a miracle, he would always tell the person to do the thing they could not do. They didn't. That they hadn't been able to do. For example, the withered hand, the guy with the withered hand, what did Jesus tell him to do? Mark 3 5, stretch forth your hand. Well, that's the thing he can't do. He didn't tell him to get up and walk. But the the man who was lame, what did he tell him to do? John uh, chapter 5, verse 8, he said to the lame man who'd been lame for 38 years, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Well, that's the thing, he didn't tell him to reach forth his hand. His lame leg. He said, take up your bed and walk. He always zeroed in on the thing that was not possible. See, Jesus is after your faith. He's not after your money. And again, this is more about growth in faith and your walk with God and your vision of God's goodness as a father to you than it is about our children's building. I'm boldly asking, boldly respond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, in the name of Jesus, help your church to say amen to your promises and open, let us all open our hearts. To your invitation to us. Amen. Amen.